David, great to see you. Welcome back. So last time you said that you couldn't see me because you'd been abducted by aliens. How did that go? Uh, I, I can't say it was everything I expected. <laughs> it always seems to me, you know, the aliens are very selective. I mean, they never come to NASA in the middle of the day and say, hi, you know, we're from Beetlejuice. Yes. So you haven't seen them in your line of work. We never see any flying saucers. Uh, I never said anything about flying saucer. <laughs> so were you taken up in some sort of craft? Uh, Was it a strange cigar-shaped object? Oh, my ne memory is rather dim. <laughs> The main thing I really remember was this deep, low, throbbing sound. <laughs> I think you're remembering your visit to my house. Because Cassiopeia is my cat. It's all starting to come together yeah, now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's the way some of the best alien abductions begin. <laughs> I'm Michelle Thaller, and this is Orbital Path from PRX, a show about the cosmos and our place in it. You know, what's happening is we're coming up on the winter season, which is my favorite time to go out and look at the sky. There's actually some of my favorite constellations up. Do you have a favorite constellation? I can't say that I do, although I always love the name Cassiopeia. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, in fact, Cassiopeia is a winter winter constellation. Uh -huh. It's very high in the sky in the winter. It's one of my favorites. And it's one you can find really easily because it kind of looks like a big W. It's also a wonderful constellation that goes all the way around the pole star. And so Cassiopeia was this very vain queen in Greece. She's seated on a throne, and as uh -huh. the throne moves around the, the North Star, sometimes she's seated comfortably in the throne, and sometimes she's upside down having to cling to the throne. <laughs> and, and the winter sky is full of stories. By far, my favorite constellation is Orion. Huh. And Orion comes up in the late autumn sky, and... For one thing, it's an extremely recognizable constellation. You, you see the belt of Orion, these three stars, and then there are some bright stars around it, including famously this red star called Betelgeuse, which is one of the largest stars we know of in the universe. Very big. It's actually millions of times larger volume-wise than the sun. Wow. And uh, if you put Betelgeuse in our solar system, it would actually extend all the way out to about the orbit of Jupiter. So wow. yeah, that's a big star. And, and so, it, I mean, Betelgeuse is bright, and it actually does look kind of reddish to my eye. But there are so many reasons I love Orion. Mm -hmm. If I were to say to you, right now, I want you to picture the constellation Ophiuchus. I what? beg your pardon? <laughs> but, but, but everybody knows Orion. Uh -huh. And um, there's so many things to love about Orion. So we talked about Betelgeuse, this big star. And Betelgeuse is a star very near the end of its life. And in fact, the sun will someday swell up and become very big and red, like Betelgeuse. It won't get quite as big. But Betelgeuse is almost about to explode violently in what we call a supernova explosion. It could literally happen any day. Mm. It could also happen in hundreds of thousands of years. And this is kind of the frustration that uh, a lot of times I'll be standing outside looking at Betelgeuse. And for all we know, Betelgeuse has already blown up. Betelgeuse is, is actually many hundreds of light years away. So we wouldn't know that for hundreds of years as the shockwave <laughs> got to us. And when, when Betelgeuse blows up, it's not going to affect the Earth, but it will light up the night sky. Huh. It'll be really spectacular. You'll probably be able to read by it in the uh -huh. night sky for a while. It could happen tomorrow. 
And, you know, I, I'm always standing outside in the cold in the winter looking at Betelgeuse. You're, mm-hmm. you're looking at a star that's just about to die. And then also in the belt stars, the, the, the lowest of the belt stars, the one farthest to the left, the one lowest down. Um, Wait, that, this, these are the stars in the belt in of the belt Orion. Itself, in the belt of Orion. Okay. The farthest one down on the left is actually called Delta Orionis. And Delta Orionis is one of the stars I did my, my doctoral dissertation on. And I have spent hours and hours and hours and hours observing this star through uh-huh. telescopes all over the world. I used telescopes in Arizona. I used telescopes in Australia. Um, I actually used telescopes that were in space. So, I, I mean, I did lots of different observations of this star. It's so like what's a... so special about this? <laughs> Why did you pick this star? Well, it, it, I mean, there are a lot of other choices. Yeah, that's there? right. That's right. I, I, I did my dissertation on specifically very massive binary stars. So, so, so it turns out that this star is actually two stars orbiting each other. Hmm. And they're so close together, the human eye can't separate them. They, they orbit so close together that the two stars go around about, about once every two days. Mm. That, that's amazing. Two stars orbiting each other once every two days. And um, because they're so close, their atmospheres intensely interact. There are shocks. The winds collide. So the, the particle winds coming off these stars create these giant shock fronts. And that's what I was studying. And so one of the things I see when I look up at Orion is an old friend. And, you know, that's one of the wonderful things about being an astronomer is all of a sudden the sky becomes old friends. And mm. Orion is like that more than anything else in the sky to me. The first time I see Orion every year, uh-huh. I have to, whatever I'm doing, I have to stop. Okay. And I have to do a little dance. Do the, do Orion, the Orion dance. dance. Yes, yes, I, I, okay. I, I do. I sing do the Orion dance. And I do a little funny dance. Uh-huh. Is it the start of... of... Seasonally, how, yeah, it's the start of winter. You know, as we go around the sun, the sun appears in front of different stars in the sky, and that means it's daytime, so you can't uh-huh. see those stars. But then, as we go around the sun, we see the sun at different angles in the sky. We we see it in front of different things, mm-hmm. and so the constellations come back every year. And you know, every time I see Orion, I have to greet my old friend. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it's bad luck for the rest of the year. I gotta do it. <laughs> With all this experience uh, and all this other technology behind the observations that you have done, I also wonder about what it's like just to look at the night sky with your naked eye. Looking up at the night sky is a joyful thing to do. It it it, it almost there's this this pleasure of seeing the moon. You know, just just watching the crescent moon or or moon phases change, uh, watching constellations in the sky, the, the planets, all of that. It, it isn't a scientific experience. It, it's a wonderfully human emotional experience, and it's just about the beauty. You know, I, I've had some people say that as a scientist, you know, when you understand what causes a sunset, you know, you, you know why the light looks redder when there's a sunset. Mm-hmm. They say, well, that takes away the beauty of the sunset. Hmm. Knowledge takes away beauty. Yeah. Huh? And to me, it's just the opposite, that, you know, you're looking at this spectacular visual display and so I'm looking at this beautiful, pleasurable experience of a sunset, and there, there's this wonderful story about what's going on and, and, and why you're seeing the sun change color as it goes down. How could anybody think that knowledge takes beauty away? So what else do you see in the winter sky that is especially exciting to you <laughs> with your informed eyes? Well, 
So th- there's a lot of stories in the winter sky. A lot of the names, you know, the beautiful names like Beetlejuice, which mm-hmm. probably would have pr- pronounced more like Betelgeuse, um, you know, those are Arabic. And mm-hmm. the Arabic astronomers really laid out, you know, the best star maps of the time. The Arabic astronomers also saw the figure of a person in, in Orion in the constellation. Mm-hmm. And uh, they call that person Jauza. And Betelgeuse means the hand of Jauza. Ah. So that's where the word Betelgeuse comes from. When you think about the Arabic names, you know, have things like Mizar and Alcor, Deneb, and you know, Vega, and uh, Zubinal Ganubi is one of my favorites. <laughs> star, Zubinal Ganubi. There's a star called Zubinal Ganubi. That's right. Um, also in Orion, you, you, you know where the, the belt is. Have you ever seen the Sword of Orion? Uh-huh. So there's a little sort so of three stars three that stars hang that down. Three stars that dip down. Yeah, yep. exactly. So the, the middle star in the Sword of Orion, if you look at it closely, um, is actually kind of fuzzy looking. Mm-hmm. And, and if you get out a pair of binoculars, it turns into this little sort of greenish cloudy thing. Mm. And, and that's the Orion Nebula. And this is an area of, uh, of star formation. It's actually one of the closest parts in our galaxy where there's a cloud forming hundreds of new stars. Hundreds. 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 So this is incomprehensibly larger than Betelgeuse, that enormous star. Oh, yeah. That's right. No, this, this cloud is, is actually light years across. So, I mean, Betelgeuse is huge, but it's just like the orbit of Jupiter. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a single star. But in so this... that, that, that's like, what, 16, 20 minutes across? <laughs> yeah, you're probably talking somewhere on the order of, of less than a light hour, let's say that. But, you know, in the case of uh, the Orion Nebula, it's actually, the whole nebula is actually light years across. And inside there are hundreds of new stars and, and probably presumably thousands of new planets forming right now. Mm. And there's part of the cloud that has kind of broken open because there are some bright young stars that have just turned on, probably mm. in the last million years or so. And the, the particles and, and the radiation from these stars have actually broken open the cloud and you can just glimpse inside. And so the stories, you know, for me, the coming of winter is always a little melancholy. You know, you know the leaves all die and fall off. You know, the flowers all die. But, but there's, there's a cycle to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the beginning of the winter cycle. And just Orion has a massive story of life and death and the cycle right there in front of you. Thanks for joining us for this look at the winter night sky on Orbital Path from PRX. You can find more episodes at orbital.prx.org. Join us next time as I'll be talking with a NASA scientist who has been keeping close watch on a strange cigar-shaped object that recently came to us from outside our solar system. For real. This is not science fiction. Support for Orbital Path is provided by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More at sloan.org. This episode of Orbital Path was produced by David Schulman. Our editor is Andrea Mustaine. Special thanks to John Barth and Genevieve Sponsler looking down the wrong end of their telescopes back at BRX. Signing off for now, I'm Michelle Fowler, a little bit of dead stardust.